0: Georgia's DBHDD is warning all Georgians that half of all opioid deaths happen at home when people take an oxy or a perk with a glass of alcohol for stress or to sleep. Learn more about protecting families from opioid overdoses at opioidresponse.info.
1: I'm Steve Fennessy, and this is the lead story from Georgia Today.
2: Listen to Governor Kemp speak during his weekly press conferences for the past month, you've heard the phrase testing defines the
3: battlefield a, a multitude of times. As I've said before, testing defines the battlefield and informs our long term strategy. And what actually sort of got me interested in that was listening to the governor talk um,
2: mid May. He said something that I don't think got a lot of attention initially. It's You know, there are some labs and medical facilities throughout the state that weren't reporting all of their negative test results. And that is what initially sort of set the light bulb off for me.
1: Testing. Since the early days of the pandemic, testing has been widely acknowledged as a fundamental step in controlling the spread of COVID-19. But despite President Trump's promise that anyone who needed a test would get one, there's been no federal testing program. Instead, individual states have been left to figure it out. And in Georgia, one of the last states to shut down in the face of the pandemic, and one of the first open back up, having reliable and timely data couldn't be more crucial. Today, Nick Wooten, a reporter with the Columbus Ledger Enquirer, and Grant Blankenship with Georgia Public Broadcasting discuss the testing battlefield in Georgia. So Grant, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with you. Tell me a little bit about uh, the early days uh, of the pandemic in Georgia. And as we started to understand that to obviously get a grasp of the uh, rate of infection here, we need to start testing people. Where were we at in those early days in terms of the availability of COVID testing?
0: Uh, well, there wasn't a whole lot of it going on. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of coronavirus testing going on in March in Georgia.
3: Nobody was prepared for, I think, you know, this widespread testing like we're doing. Uh, Thankfully, we've ramped up our sampling with over 60, I think it's 66 testing sites around the state. So we are pushing our labs, our efficiencies at the lab, expanding labs. We're looking at a lot of different options. We've had a whole team working on that over the last two or three days.
1: Let's turn uh, to to Nick Wooten of the Columbus Ledger Inquirer.
2: So Georgia's a big state and you're going to see bigger testing numbers than you would from smaller states. But that, that really important number when, when you're talking about testing too, is that testing per 100,000 people. And Georgia was in the, they were like 45th, 46th, like at the very, very bottom. So that sort of, and this was when initially, um, this would have been mid April. Okay. Um, or, or r- right before the state starts ramping up its testing, expanding its relationship with Augusta university, and all of its university partners to help process some of these tests in labs.
1: Gradually though, testing became more prevalent. In early April, the governor ordered a shelter in place and then later that month, he effectively reopened the economy. The governor made many remarks that he was relying on data, on the data. And so I guess the the fundamental question here is um, how reliable is the data?
0: There's an even more basic question. What is it? it's which metric? Forget about how reliable the metric is. It's the question of, which metric does he mean? Um, I've spent a lot of time, as I'm sure Nick has, uh, sort of parsing all this stuff, trying to find one, one number I can kind of ride like a wave, you know, kind of stick with and charting our course here, right? And it's tough, and he doesn't tell us that. Uh, that percent positive number was one I've seized on in the last couple of weeks because he keeps mentioning it in public public appearances. But before you can even answer the question of can we trust it, you have to know what it is we're interrogating in the first place.
1: Nick, you stumbled onto something almost by accident. What'd you find?
2: so i had been i'd been reading some reports from the atlantic magazine and then the richmond times dispatch in richmond virginia i think they were the first local media outlet to report that a that a state was doing this uh, virginia was basically counting positive antibody tests among its confirmed cases and its total test counts so i just i sent an email i want to know if the state's doing this so i send it off so my question to them was hey, are, are you guys including these? in the total number of tests performed, how many of Georgia's, at that time, more than 400,000 tests, how many of these are antibody tests? Um, Nancy Nytam, spokesperson for the Department of Public Health, told me that yes, Georgia is including, in its total number of tests performed, both viral tests and antibody tests.
1: Okay, explain to me the difference between the two tests.
2: Yeah. The, the viral tests measure the active infections. So, you know, if you test positive for if you test positive on a viral test, it's like, OK, you could potentially infect other people like we need to figure out who you've been in contact with. We need to make sure you stay home. All, all the things that sort of come with tracking and containing the virus, the disease
0: for the antibody test, it's. It's more subtle than that. it's It feeds into well, what we think antibodies might be good for. Are you immune? Are you not? like all those questions that people are asking. And it also sets the table for future viral testing regimens. Like if there's a spot where there's lots and lots of antibody positives, well, maybe there's some inkling that there's a reason to continue really, really intense viral testing in that place too, so you can continue to isolate people.
2: When you're looking at your uh, test positivity rate, it, it, it's sort of this this fraction. On top, you've got the number of positive tests in the state. On the bottom, you've got the total number of tests performed. Right. So those antibody tests, whether they're positive or negative, they're going to end up always in the denominator. You're going to make that denominator really, really big. Um, even if you test positive, you know that positive result's not going to end up on the top. So you've got a, a bigger denominator than you should have, which results in a number that's ultimately smaller than it really is.
0: From what we could tell last week after the AJC found that there were maybe 57,000 of these antibody tests that were rolled into the denominator, but not the numerator of that calculation, that's like a 3% cushion in the, like giving a 3% drop in the number, the percent positive number, which is a good chunk when you realize you know, we've been kind of flirting with this, this line that the WHO, the World Health Organization, has established for, for adequate testing for, for weeks now. Um, we were at 10%, the number's 5%. A 3% margin of error like that is really, really big, especially when we're sort of waging this war of public opinion about how much testing is enough testing.
1: Okay, Nick. So you find out that Georgia's testing numbers are including the antibody tests. What next?
2: So Dr. Harry Hyman at Georgia State has been someone that I've talked to uh, sort of throughout this process. I, I called him up and said, hey, you know, they're including these antibody tests in there. And he, he seemed very, he was flabbergasted, I guess is the, the best word to say. it. He, he couldn't believe that they were doing that.
1: Of the um, hundreds of thousands of tests that we've done in Georgia, we know that over the last four to six weeks, we've included in that um, about 78,000 antibody tests. Um, which should not be commingled with, with the acute viral tests because that also gives a, a misleading picture of both how widely testing is available uh, and also the, the percent positivity on those tests. And, and we need to distinguish, don't we, between uh, sort of state-administered COVID testing versus private testing. Right. Um, and and is, that, is that significant? I mean
0: um, – Well, uh, the DPH doesn't keep a list of all of it. That's that's a huge problem. If if you went to the Department of Public Health website, hoping to find a master list of anywhere in the state and by whom you could be tested, you won't find it. And so this constellation of private providers that are providing that are offering coronavirus tests, it's it's uncharted. Um, And are are those
1: pop-ups? Are they required? to be disclosing all of their test results, positive or negative, to the state?
0: Yes. The the test results roll up to DPH through the same system of electronic reporting that a, a public lab would use. Nick pointed out again that the governor tapped Augusta University to really ramp up testing. Their testing is very, very targeted. They stay working in the top 20 worst counties in the state for per capita infections, and uh, Philip Cool, the chief medical officer at Augusta University, will tell you when you go into a community like that and start testing en masse, there's, there's a testing bias that kicks in. You're clearly going to find more positives because you've gone to a place where you know there's already a problem. And obviously there are issues in these counties, and we don't completely understand why it's these counties, although certainly the profile of these counties, when you look at – the map in terms of the counties that pop up as hotspots for COVID-19, it is strikingly similar and almost identical to counties that we map out that have a high prevalence of chronic health conditions like heart disease, stroke, hypertension. What's missing is this widespread net sort of cast over the entire population that could catch these asymptomatic people, these people who were maybe spreading the virus and and didn't know it. Um, that's where we haven't gotten yet. We, we haven't gotten past sort of the strike force version of coronavirus testing into the widespread public surveillance version of coronavirus testing.
1: And is there a plan in place for that widespread testing?
0: That's that's really unclear. Um it's it's hard to know that, especially with 14% budget cuts coming to DPH, yeah. it's hard to know in a state, how that can be ramped up.
1: In a state with 10 million people. Right. Grant, uh, talk a little bit about the governor's uh, sense of reliability of this data.
0: Publicly, he seems very confident that what he's seeing uh, is supports his decisions. He was in Macon, where I live today, at the opening of a... Uh, temporary COVID-19 treatment facility outside the main hospital here. And what he said then was that the data support Georgians making the right common sense decisions going forward, just as they've always done.
3: Depending on what model you look at, and some models twice now, we have passed our peak. Our numbers continue to look really good in Georgia, which is why we made the decision a little over a month ago uh, to reopen our economy.
1: Uh, like a lot of Georgians do, I call up the COVID-19 uh, page on Georgia Department of Health, which is updated twice a day with numbers. And, but what I'm seeing isn't necessarily what's uh, the situation on the ground today, because there's lag time. Tell me about what these lag times are and why they
2: matter. On the confirmed cases over time chart, uh, the the state says that there are three potential dates where a positive case could be dated. Uh, The first is going to be your date of symptom onset. So that's basically when you start feeling sick. Uh, If they don't have that information, they're going to go to the date when your test sample is collected. And if they don't have that information, then they move to the third and final date, which is when your results come back.
1: And I'm looking now today at the at the COVID page from the Georgia Department of Health, and it says total tests are 518,591. And another thing we don't know is that's not 518,591 people. Grant, you were tested twice. There are people who have been tested multiple times because of their work. Um, So do we know how many people, individual people have been tested in Georgia? No, we don't. Is that an important thing to know?
2: Yeah, sure. I think a public health expert would tell you absolutely it's incredibly important, because there are, there are all these guidelines and criteria from the World Health Organization, from the CDC, from you know the White House as well, and part of that is, you know, your testing per capita numbers. If you don't know how many people you've tested over the course of this pandemic, then how are you going to accurately be able to account
3: for your testing per capita numbers?
1: Governor Kemp says that missteps with the data will be fixed as soon as they're identified.
3: I just want people to know they can be confident in the data, but also, look, we're not perfect. We've made mistakes. When we do that, we'll own that, change it, and make sure that people are aware of that.
0: I think the best we can do is be vigilant, honest with ourselves about what the right things are to do in our daily lives, and push back when there's pushing back to be done.
1: Our thanks to GPB reporter Grant Blankenship and McClashy reporter Nick Wooten. Just minutes after Grant and Nick and I spoke, the Georgia Department of Health began identifying how many of the total tests being conducted have been antibody tests. All told, roughly 15% of the more than half million tests in Georgia have tested not for the virus, but for antibodies. For more coverage of the pandemic, go to gpb.org virus. I'm Steve Fennessy, and this is Georgia Today. Our show is produced by Sean Powers.